Hello, Clay. Welcome to our podcast episode for the Year of Hell. We both put on our finest plaid that only the people oh, on yeah, YouTube. Oh, yeah, we did. Look at that. <laughs> only the people on YouTube are going to recognize. <laughs> but here we are, all plaided up for We're like this alternate episode. alternate versions of the same character today. I know. It might cause people's uh, computer monitors to start overheating with the amount of the amount of color that we're we're pushing across the bandwidth here. Yeah. So, we're going to get into Year of Hell Clay, which before I give all the details about it, I'm just going to say this was rated in 2016 that UK film magazine Empire ranked this the 25th best episode of Star Trek TV of all time. Okay, full stop, Star Trek. Full stop, sci-fi ranked Year of Hell as the sixth best time travel plot in Star Trek in 2016. Also in 2016, The Hollywood Reporter rated Year of Hell the 25th best episode of Star Trek overall, but the number one best episode of Voyager overall. Mm. In 2016, IGN ranked Year of Hell the 16th best episode of Star Trek overall. Den of Geek included this episode, Scorpion and Message in a Bottle. Uh, as the ones to watch and said that wrong podcast west kurtwood That's smith the patreon show was the, the police second best guest star in voyager history and then finally in 2017 vulture listed this as the best star trek voyager episode so if if kurtwood smith is the second best guest star i'm curious to see, see who's, who's the first who's gonna is. be first could be the rocks he is pretty good in this this is Year of Hell. It's the eighth and ninth episodes of the fourth season of Star Trek Voyager. We're going to be covering both of them in one podcast. The first one came out on the 5th of November, 1997. It is two of three in the Year of Hell arc, and the next one will be three of three, I'd assume. Written by Brandon Braga and Joe Minoski, directed by Alan Croker, and Universe Date 51268.4, which is March 16th to May 28th, 2374. In the first part, obsessed with restoring the Krenum Imperium, no matter the cost, a Krenum military temporal scientist creates changes in history that all but destroy Voyager. The second one came out on the 12th of November when we were dancing in December. It is the third of three in the year of hell, written by Brandon Braga and Joe Minoski yet again, but directed by Mike Vehar. This one is 51425.4, which is July 27th to November 29th and March 16th, 2374. In this one, the second part, with Voyager almost destroyed, Captain Janeway risks everything to rescue Paris and Chakotay and stop Anorax from continuing to tamper with the timeline. So here we are. High praise for this episode with all those publications and magazines and blogs and whatever I said earlier on. Um, Frequently regarded as one of Voyager's best. So I'm interested what you have to say about the year of hell. You knew this was coming. They talked about it last season. They said there's a year of hell. It's coming. Yes. And here it is. Um <clears throat> I thought it was good. I I I I think I think Kurtwood Smith adds at least a point to this episode, to Agreed. these two episodes. I think he's fantastic. Um it's a very <clears throat> what's the word? Uh reserved performance from him, but I think it's very impactful. Um and the character that he's playing is really interesting he reminded me of thanos a bit mm-hmm. he had kind of like thanos energy to him but a little bit less um maniacal um i think <clears throat> i think it's i think this is an example of what voyager does well but it doesn't get out of the shadow of other shows to do it because <clears throat> it, it it very much has a yesterday's enterprise kind of feel to it um 
I, w- I wish I still I said this previously, I think, and I this has kind of confirmed it where I, I wish this was like the whole season. Yeah. I wish they had done. Well, let me rephrase that. I wish this year of hell concept was the whole season, but I don't think that you could end the season by just restarting everything. I think you'd have to. I think it would just have to be this a is bad year. This year. Yeah, yeah. yeah, a bad year. Yeah. Um, ultimately, I thought it was really good. I, I like the Chicote and Paris stuff, uh, but they hustle through it really quick. And I was a little bit disappointed. I think I was a little disappointed in the ending because I feel like if this was Deep Space Nine, this would have ended with Chakotay using the machine to fix things and then never telling anybody he used the machine to fix things. Mm-hmm. You know, like it, it, <laughs> it feels like just ramming the ship into the other ship to blow it up and then resetting everything is just like too easy yep. for this story that they're telling. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's it's one of those things where we can probably get into this at length, but like <clears throat> yesterday's Enterprise ends with um, the sacrifice of Tasha Yar, right? Yeah. She's back from the dead and then has to be sacrificed in order to, to fix things. Voyager sacrifices nothing to... No. There, there's no... Like it's a it's a hail mary at the end, sure, but like I think that's what for me stops it from being like a five, is yep. that ultimately nothing has changed and they don't even remember it happened. So it's like I don't know. That's the strangest part to me is that no one remembers any of this. I, I feel like there could yeah. have been a way around that, but they weren't interested in in doing that. That no one reminds. I, like honestly, you sh- they should have kept Kess around. This would have been a great way to kill off Kess or something. Yeah, you know, I don't know how you do it, but it, it, at least it would, it would make things feel a little bit more um, critical. I'm a, <clears throat> I am unsure what to think about Year of Hell. Um, mm-hmm. I think I strongly disagree with everyone who says that this is one of the greatest Star Trek episodes. <laughs> like, I, I don't, I, I don't know if I would go so. F- I, I wouldn't that's, even say top a, 25. Like that this yeah. is this is nowhere yeah. near top 25 from the franchise, I don't think. Um that honestly, I don't I'm sorry. I'll, I'll stop interrupting you. No, that's fine. Um that feels like we need to put one from every season in the top Yeah, 20, we have, we have to include the top <laughs> <laughs> Not that this is bad, but I just, you know. I thought this was fine, sort of. Mm-hmm. Like I I guess I was I haven't seen this one in forever, I don't think. And coming into it i was like all right i know this one is very hyped as one of the best voyager episodes and it's like i remember kurtwood smith being really good um i'm sure this is going to be um like invigorating and sort of like involved in a way like it has to have a a sort of grandiosity to it because everyone talks about it in those terms i come away from this one thinking it's kind of a strange letdown in a lot of different ways. It's like, it has like a whole bunch of threads that are just feel like they aren't anywhere where they need to be really. Like there's just a lot, like the ending is the most obvious that everyone points to and goes like, it's kind of weird that it's a reset button and it like resets everything and none of this matters and goes, yeah, that's, that's true. That's, that's true. The, The thing that also is kind of weird about it is that the, this is just another example the time temporal weapon 
is only time-based in a very strange, weird way that causes it to constantly have to be used over and over again. Otherwise, it's just a weapon of mass destruction. It just destroys planets, basically. You know, like, it it wipes out species, but there's no you entering the timeline or anything like that. It just does things where, like, he'll use it, and then he'll say, it didn't work perfectly that time. And you go, oh, okay. And he's like, I have to use it again because I need this to work perfectly this time. Well, but it it does... I mean, isn't the whole thing that they use the weapon to to eradicate that entire species, which then brings the Voyager into that separate timeline? It does, but it's not it's not a time travel story in the sense that you're a part of the changing timeline and you see different things. All that's happening is that he's wiping out a species. It's not giving them the result that he wants. So it's altering the timeline, but it's not really doing it in a way that feels different in the way that yesterday's enterprise makes you know that you're in like an alternate weird world right oh, because like yeah okay so the example is like the, when they first run into the krenum it's a weak little ship when he changes the timeline it becomes this warship that can destroy them right right and it, it's not really that you understand that that's happening but it's not this visceral change where you see like everything is dark now and we're at war with the klingons and stuff it's not this like oh something has gone horribly wrong <clears throat> It's really just that the weapon the weapon destroys planets without destroying the planet. It kills everybody on it. It's basically the Death Star. Like, if he shoots your planet, your species is dead, and they get wiped out of the timeline, and they disappear from everywhere, apparently. Mm-hmm. But the, the whole mechanism of it is just... It's done for time travel purposes or timeline purposes because it has to give Anorax a reason to continue wanting to use it and continue wanting to alter the timeline with it. Sure. So, so it's it's weird to me that it's a time travel story, but it almost feels like the time aspect is like totally irrelevant to the story. It's not really right. yeah. key to anything. And yeah, I wouldn't disagree with that. I, I think that that's it's kind of novel and it's neat that that's the way that it goes, and it's kind of a neat weapon. But I think when you sit down and you think about it, I was just thinking it's kind of strange that this is a time travel weapon at all. Like it, it's it's a it's 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 a weird. Um, it's a very unique way to use it, and it's not at all what you're kind of expecting. But at the end of the day, he really just has a giant weapon ship. That's what it is. They even call it a weapon ship. Sure, but but it's a time travel weapon. If it wasn't a time travel weapon, then the, he would have no reason to use it because the whole reason he's using it is to try to bring his family back. Right, and I, I think that that comes into the point of if he was just <clears throat> destroying planets with it, I, I like the the Anorak story in his uh, character story is good. It's just it's a very for something that's dealing with time. It has really his struggle has almost nothing to do with time at all. It has no like memory. It has it doesn't even have DS 9s emissary thing where like memory is time travel. Like him him tra- like him trying to get mm-hmm. back to this thing is a better analogy into the DS9 emissary than it is of like, my wife was on one of the failed things. I need to get that planet back. So I'm just going to shoot shit until that actually happens for me. I The one thing that did strike me as strange was the first time they use it and they wipe that whole planet off, away or whatever. Yeah. He in, says, in the cold open, wh- you mean? or Yeah. Uh, the, I think so. Yeah. I they do the so. first or, test and it's before yeah. you see Voyager. Yeah. 
And, and afterwards, he says, uh, "What are what are the chrono whatever?" And he's like, "Well, this place is fine. This these all these people are back." And he's like, "What about that one, the the place where my my family is?" And they said, "Ah, no, because in this timeline, we never made it out that far." And he's like, "Ah, oh, we have to do it again." And I was like, "Wait, isn't that technically a good thing? Like, mm-hmm. they never went there, so yep. doesn't that mean that they could theoretically be alive in this timeline? Why does it have to be that? I, it I think it depends on how much you want to go cross-eyed." thinking about this stuff because um theoretically the fact that they didn't make it out to that planet or outpost or whatever yep doesn't mean that his family doesn't now exist again he's got no way of knowing or chooses not to check he's just trying to get back to that specific he's it's 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 strange because the way that he talks to chakotay about time um is first of all very pretentious time has moods but also i feel like what he claims to understand about time is not actually what he is shown to understand about time for that exact reason because he keeps trying to get back to a very specific point or a very specific outcome uh, outcome yeah but he's not at all considering alternate versions where his family might be alive, you know, like there's sure. So it's, it is, it is kind of a weird thing. It would, it would kind of be better if they, they just changed that line or something to just be like, yeah, it didn't work or whatever. But because <laughs> there's going. another time travel thing that I have a question about, which was the first of these time travel things to make me go, uh, I'm just, I'm just not even. Are you talking about, about in this specific episode, in this specific episode, so, just so, in general, well, I have be, a lot of time travel questions before you, before you say the time travel thing, yeah, the reason that I guess that I have my point is because I think the only way to approach this episode is to it doesn't even have the algebra of time travel baked into it because there's not really a time travel aspect to this. It, it's mm-hmm. like a that that's why that's why it's strange to me. It's it's more like it's a weapon that can do this fairy tale thing that like you never exist if this weapon gets yeah. fired at you and you like no one remembers you you never had any in- impact on anything which is kind of novel but i would like it a lot more if anorax was somehow thematically relevant to what he's talking about with time i don't feel that they they do a great job of connecting time travel or whatever he's doing to the sort of like because what's his struggle? His struggle is to basically get back to a point that he can't get back to anymore, right? right? And right. like, and and it's, which is, which is okay. I just, I, I guess I don't feel that the Anorax character ever really realizes that, and it comes down to the very end where he gets sort of a happy ending for no particularly good reason that I can understand. Like he he learns his lesson by the end of it, and yeah. I just, well, I just does, wonder about does, his journey. He does say it out loud doesn't he that he can't he's like i can't get back to this one moment moment no matter how hard i try i don't know if he but he he never really he he claims he can anyway like he's trying to at that point sure because otherwise he would stop doing it right but the scene with chakotay i think i i think sums up why i i don't think the actual mechanics of the time travel are really that important or or the timeline shifting because as Chicote says, you know, I can't, I don't remember what the exact line is, but he's, every time he tries to 
pull a, pull a thread, it makes yeah. four other ones. Whatever the the, the, yeah, the tapestry unravels. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. And like that, that's the point, right? It's not it's not really about <clears throat> time travel mechanics or or anything like that. It's just it's just a a, a device to tell this story in a science fiction kind of way. And the ending, the ending is interesting because I'm not really sure what to take from it. Um, because ultimately the ending is a happy, what the ending is saying is that none of this would have happened if he didn't build the weapon. Right. And that's kind of it. And it's like, well, yeah, which is true. Yeah. Which is, <laughs> yeah, it's true. Which it's is also true. like, yeah. cool. All right. You know? Yeah. Well, but he, I, I had the problem with him because he, from my understanding of what they do, none of them learn anything from this journey. So Anorak's right. deciding to listen to his wife that time doesn't make much sense because he, he hasn't come out of this experience going like, I need to fix all the things that I fucked up previously. He, right. for some reason, just in this reset, decides not to work on the weapon anymore or for that day or whatever. Or for another 10 minutes or whatever. Yeah, another, whatever it takes to talk to his wife. And... I feel that that that's not really that's not the ending I would have thought like reasonable for him. I guess I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. He, 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 I I guess for me it all just comes down to Anorax. I feel that on broad strokes, Anorax is a great performance that's somewhat underwritten a little bit, like mm-hmm. that he the clarity of his desires and everything like that makes sense i just don't feel and maybe this is the fault of other characters more than it is anorax i don't feel that he ever gets sufficiently pushed back against in in an interesting way like he's not yeah you know this is another another weakness i'll throw it to you by quickly saying like i find it very bizarre that chicote sort of buys into his the philosophy so quickly I, I, I yeah. thought that that was strange, and I think a lot of the character work in this episode is strange. There might be a reason for that, but I, like that's the kind of thing. I, I feel that the show is pushing us to give Anorak some kind of people who agree with him and people who don't, but it never effectively wrangles with him. Like Janeway hardly ever speaks to Anorax, which is another decision that they made, which is right. kind of st- uh, startling. But I, I feel that he's a character who – it was a great performance, somewhat underwritten, and probably needed better counterpoints to make him truly be like one of the top villains of Star Trek, I think. Yeah, the Chicote stuff is interesting because in theory I like all that stuff. But it all happens so fast where Chicote goes from zero to, oh yeah, all of this makes perfect sense to me. Let's start fucking around and Let's see what happens. Let's start calculating, yeah. And then he has, they have that one scene with him in Paris, which on the surface conceptually is good. But at that point, Chakotay's all in very quickly. Yeah, and then Paris is like, although I guess technically we don't know how much time has passed. But well, th- that's that's the the other d- like. You continue with your thought, but like after you're done with your thought, is this a two is two parter enough for this story that they're trying to tell? You know what I mean? Like if Chakotay was well, given six yeah. episodes, does this make more sense? Yeah, I well, I don't know if you need six. I just think that you need a stronger motivation for Chakotay to consider what this guy's doing. 
Like, I, I think there would need to have been something that happened in part one or, you know, something that is alluded to have happened in part one that you can call back to as this is the reason Chakotay is like, all right, maybe there's some validity to all this. Yeah. But he go he turns so quickly and then Paris comes in and Paris has been playing Battleship or whatever with that other guy, with the yep. guy who I'm, I thought was the Liberty Biberty guy. Because he has that kind of weird kind of voice that the Liberty Liberty guy has for uh, Liberty Mutual Insurance. I um, thought I knew this guy, and I looked him up, and I don't know him. But he must yeah. just have one of those faces. So. Uh, but he comes back, and he's like, yeah, everybody on this ship kind of thinks this guy's nuts. Yeah. <laughs> and you don't get that sense at any point. No, you don't. And so when there is, like, this mounting mutiny thing happening... It's tough because they kind of have to do it solely through Chakotay and Paris, yeah. which is not super representative of what the ship is at. So, like, what they're doing on the ship in, in theory is is good. Like, it's a good story. But I just don't think they have the room to really make it to flesh it out. Yeah. The mutiny at the very end is uh, the peak of that, I think, where he's just it's like, pretty, do pretty what sad, I say. And yeah. he's like, I'm not going to do what you said. <laughs> And then all he does, like, nobody does anything. No, nobody does Like, he just goes, like, move away from that controller. He's like, all right. And then that's it. And he's got control of the ship again. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, I don't know. It's, it's a, I think, I think it's a really strange episode of the show. Uh, because I, I like the bombast of it, I guess. Like, Mm. it is, it is pretty close to a Voyager movie, I think. Um, yeah. I, you know, I like everything that happens to Voyager. I think it personally suffers from a two-parter not nearly feeling bad enough where it's, you know, you have an hour and a half basically and it's like day 100, it's like day 10 and everything's fine. And then like day 157 and everything's blown up and it's just like, yes. you yeah. know, it's it's cutting a little bit too quickly through this year. Like yeah. the jumps well, are just kind so, of absurd. The first timeline change, they go, like they, the timeline changes and they're under attack. Yeah. And it's like, why are they under attack? Why is, why, if, if, uh, what the hell are they called? The, the Krenum. Krenum. If the Krenum are now the power in this area, why is it any different than the way it is at the end when they're like, ah, eh, just go around us? You yes. know, like what, yeah. what, what happens to cause Voyager to get into a gunfight with these people? Yes. No? Yeah. It, that's the 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 time angle part. I, I honestly like an interesting thing about the time angle is I did not remember that Anorax was doing this for his wife. I, I thought that he was just a scientist who had invented a weapon that was turning the Krenum from this like minor power into this major dominant force because of the changes mm-hmm. he was making. Um I don't know if I would actually prefer that I, maybe it doesn't give the the personal drive that you think you need no. to. But. yeah i think i think you need to have the the personal thing what is strange though is the way they started out is it feels like like i i my first one of my first notes was uh another civil war because the way that you drop into this whole thing is there's a civil war between there's a war between the krenum and then the other guys yeah and they even say like, all right, once we get rid of these people, we will be the power in this, you know, in this quadrant or whatever. Yep. And I don't know now why they needed to do that because that doesn't have anything to do with his wife. Right. Like what, yeah. Yeah. Like, cause his wife died because of a virus. 
Yes. The, and the as far weapons, as yeah, as far as we know, was was the uh, the the weapon the first time he used the weapon was not on these people, right? That you see at the beginning of the show. No, it uh, it can't have been right because they are in the timeline still right. at that point. Yeah. So must have been somebody else. So like. I don't know if it's just part of the butterfly butterfly effect where he used the weapon, wiped these people out, which then caused the the virus that killed 50 million people, which is a lot of people, by the way. Yep. yep. <laughs> it's a lot of people. Yep. And then he used it again, which put his people at war with these other people. I guess that's probably the line of causality here. Yeah. Like, And so then he has to er eradicate the people. But like, that's not super clear. Yep. So. It just feels like he's using it in order to win this war. Yeah. Which is completely separate from his his main objective. Yeah. So that yeah. stuff gets a little bit a little bit uh sticky. Yeah. Trying to track that. Start It's a You don't know. It it's a because you, you opened up by just comparing it to yesterday's enterprise. And I think that it's a I, – I guess I'm, I just, I'm having a hard time describing what the problem with the time travel thing is. But the, to me, I, if I could like restate it, it's that the, the incremental changes that he's making mm -hmm. are these huge civilizational wipeouts that ultimately don't make things feel very different in the universe that they're in because right. it's very abstracted. Like it's a lot of yes. like them coming in and saying like this species is gone now and this has happened. And he's like, oh shit, I didn't think that was going to happen. Right. So it doesn't have, you know, there's no change of uniform. There's no right. different attitude in this new universe. Like, cause Voyager exists not in the changing universe for whatever reason. And I think it's just – that's why I come back to my point of like the weapon is just kind of a weapon because it's not really an episode that wants to talk about or have a consistent view about what these timeline changes are doing for people. It's weird that Voyager is not changing with the timeline in some ways because it's stuck in the bubble with the Krenum ship. And being in that bubble makes the story feel less galactically shifting than it is because they're not seeing anything that's happening out there, you know? Yeah. I, I, I think that's tough because, uh, how do you depict that? You, you probably can't. Yeah. One ship that's falling apart and another one that is stated to be outside of space time. Yep. So the effects don't, ha there are, are no effects. I think it's, I think it's just one of those things where the, the, the theoretical futility of it is, all they can really use yeah because there's nothing that they can keep cutting back to to show change and honestly i don't really even know if that would really change it that much or or improve it because the the point is still just that he keeps he keeps chipping away at this block trying to fix the the thing he broke and that's not going to do it and so as they can wipe out as many civilizations or show you the, as many changes as you want. And it's just like, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of superfluous to at a certain extent, a yeah. certain point. Yeah. I think the one thing that they do, they don't do in this, which I'm really surprised they don't do is like, 
if you know you're going to reset everything, um, you know, the, the uh, uh, one of my favorite comic book series from the early, the late eighties, early nineties was the Marvel what if series, which would be like, you know, what if Iron Man was the Punisher or vice versa or something like that, which yep. some silly change like that causes this totally different outlook or, or things play out totally differently. And the fun of that thing was that um, all, this was a complete pocket universe where nothing mattered. So everybody got killed all the time. Yeah. yeah. Like uh, <laughs> there's, there's one, there's one where it's um, uh, some X-Men story plays out differently and they think cable killed professor X. And then the rest of the book is just cable, just killing everybody. Yeah. And, and in a show in like this, nobody on the crew, like Tuvok goes blind. Yeah, but he, gets, don't kill he, gets, anybody. he gets blown up and he goes blind. Yeah, yeah I feel like but I feel like at the end of this, it should just be Janeway or something. You know what I mean? Like, I feel yeah. like everybody should be getting killed. If this is, it's like <laughs> Tell uh, the doctor I'm going to be back with severe burns. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, like blinding Tuvok isn't really anything. And I mean, no. you know, you, there's so many other people that, you know, they, uh, Bolana has that problem with her back that yep. gets fixed relatively quickly. Um. Yeah, I don't know. It just—I don't think that they did as much with that stuff as you could have. And what it really did to me, for me, is highlighted one of the issues I think Mulgrew has with her Janeway performance. Mm. And I don't know if this is one of the things that is what people talk about when they talk about how schizophrenic she is. But I'm realizing anytime she tries to play strong and like headstrong and assertive and action Janeway she sounds like an insane person no like she yeah, she yeah. goes from Captain Janeway kindly Captain Janeway into I'm gonna blow the ship up and everybody on and she just comes off like a saint an insane person yeah like the whatever for whatever the reason the way that she's playing it she like every single scene is really tense because like I keep thinking has she lost her <laughs> entire mind <laughs> Janeway's a um Janeway's kind of interesting to me in this one. She she's obviously a foil to Anorax, right? That there's a sort of like um obsession with her. Like her obsession is to get the crew home, so they're pairing it sure. off against Anorax to compare and contrast or whatever. I think that this is a great example of schizophrenic Janeway because she has a point that I like it was a scene that I was just kind of like, wow, I can't believe that this is happening. The scene where she refuses to obey the doctor's order to stand down, mm-hmm. and she's like, "What the fuck are you gonna do about it?" I was. It's just weird on a show that it seems like Janeway to this point has been very much. We need to follow the chain of command because if we don't, this whole journey is just gonna fall apart. And I don't know if it's the time of it, right? Like, I don't know if there's enough time spent on the year of hell that is gets you to a point where you go like I kind of buy Janeway just telling the doctor to go fuck himself at this point like this is something right. this has been building to this and th- the reason I thought it was strange is because the doctor isn't proposing anything nuts he's not he's not doing something that you know is like this can't be the way like they have to fight back or they have to do something Janeway really just kind of comes up as just saying like a crazy person. She's like, I'm not giving yeah. this up. She basically Donald Trump says she's like, yeah, I'm not going to, I don't lose the election. Like I'm going to continue doing this with all the things I want to do. Right. And I don't think that the, I think that 
the larger point and the larger issue with me in this episode is that it feels a lot like an episode or a movie where you kind of have, these are the scenes that happen in this stuff. You're going to have Janeway yell at the doctor. You're going to have the ship collide with the other ship and reset the timeline. It just doesn't feel organic in a lot of ways. Chakotay's turn, I would say, is the other thing. Like, this doesn't make a lot of sense to me that Chakotay's all in on this temporal thing. Um, It kind of feels like the Voyager movie, and I don't know, I don't think Nemesis, Nemesis hasn't come out before this, but like a lot of Nemesis is in this. Like, the action spectacle of the Nemesis movie is kind of in this Voyager story. Mm -hmm. And I think that. The reason I find it a little bit of a letdown is that the things that I would rather focus on, like Anorax and the crew falling apart and the ship falling apart, is kind of second fiddle to the action spectacle of like the dramatic scenes that have to happen in it. Yeah, and I don't, I don't think the dramatic scenes are built off of the stuff that happens before it. Unfortunately, like even yeah. the, even the crew leaving the ship at the end of the first part, it's like this feels kind of odd like i i don't yeah. i don't think that this feels the right way to to uh separate the crew at this point why not all die together on voyager so it's, things like that well for instance i think the stuff that happens on anorex's ship is backwards <clears throat> i think they should have flipped chakotay in paris and had paris be the one who was coming around to anorex's idea and i think what they should have done is in the first half Bolana should get killed. Sure. Bolana gets killed, and then when Paris goes onto the ship, he now sees a way that he could get Voyager home, and and then Chakotay could be like, clearly you're just doing this because Bolana is dead, right? And you want to bring her back, and he's like, no, that's not you know like that that at least would motivate that stuff, <clears throat> and so it would motivate his change. He could change on a dime; it wouldn't yeah, matter yeah. because yeah, he's right. got that thing leading him to that where he's like oh now i have this possible option um so it's just some stuff like that like the i i think the janeway stuff it's tough to i think a lot of it is her performance because i think anytime she bears down on the janeway character she just sounds insane okay and so when you get to that point where um the doctor is telling her to, you know, trying to relieve her of command and she's and she's throwing it back at him. If that's the point where she is supposed to sound nuts, it doesn't sound any different than anything that she's done up to that point. Yeah. And so you're not really feeling like she's been pushed to the brink um, in a way that they probably want you to. Yeah. Short hair looks great, though. I like the new hair. Like this is her. Uh, this is her haircut from here on out is the short hair. Also, yeah. how did how did Tuvok and seven get caught in that giant fireball. And the only thing that happened was he, go, he went blind. <laughs> it's very like, much. I thought uh, this was Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, it's very much just shades, shades of uh, the Ducat storyline at the end of DS nine where they're like, we can't have Ducat around it. Let's just say he goes blind for three episodes. Yeah. He comes back. Yeah. But like, I thought they were going to start killing people off. Like yes, it made uh, sense I, to I, me. I, that- I, I, re- I had, when it happened, I was like, Oh, I didn't remember the Tuvok dies in this, but he must die. And no, he's just, just blind. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, I think as much as I hate it when you just needlessly kill people off, this is one of those stories where you can do that and you should do that to it really would, take advantage of what you're doing. It, it, it would prime you for the reset, too. 
right? Like if people yes. start dying, oh, yeah, you're 100%. like, oh, they have to reset this. So this this is fine. It is yeah, or if like, you know, if, if in that final scene or whatever, uh, Paris and or Chakotay get killed on the other ship or whatever yeah. during the, the mutiny, and then it's just Janeway left or Janeway and probably Harry Kim for some reason. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You, you know, then she flies the ship. It's a, it's a last resort is flying the ship into the other ship and just, it's the only thing that, that there is left to do. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, I think there's a lot of meat left on the bone on this one that they don't really, that they don't get into. And I do think, I do think this should have been like three or four episodes or something. Cause like, it's tough. It's well, I guess like I could go either way on that. Cause it's, it's tough to do an entire year in two hours when you keep jumping forward and not really showing that much change ultimately. Yeah. Or, or the change, the change seems unbelievable because like, while logically they've been doing this thing for a hundred days, you're seeing like 30 second scenes of it. If that, and it's like, well, this is like happening very quickly to me. I, I would have stretched this out. I think, I think you could do, many episodes of this arc to like really settle into the, because one of the most effective things for me that I enjoyed watching the most was just the disintegration of Voyager to watch like the the Voyager fall apart. And it's like, this is kind of neat. Um, And I think that this happens fairly quickly. Like Voyager goes to shit fairly quickly in this two-parter. It's like it gets attacked and it's no longer the same ship. Like everything's blown up and then it just gets progressively worse after that. But I really like, I, I, I don't know. I think that I'm that would have enabled the stuff that I would actually want to see because I for for this year of hell, it's probably fitting for Voyager. And maybe this is me just stumbling into another thing of like what I'm actually pinpointing about it. The year of hell is not a year of interpersonal hell, unfortunately. You know, and I know right, the show sure. doesn't do that a lot, but it's like it's it's kind of tiresome or boring to just cut back to 100 days later the ship is just in worse shape and Janeway's like my headache is killing me doctor give me the medicine and then she does it it's but like you know if the, if this was done over six episodes there's a real space here to have Chicote and Janeway start disagreeing someone start disagreeing about sure. what's going on here and Voyage is not the show that's ever going to do that but the reason I can't get into Voyager is because it seems like Voyager would rather do the action spectacle movie thing mm-hmm. and sort of skip over whatever you might, what these characters might argue about. Like I actually liked, um, I think the most effective pairing in this is Seven and Tuvok because I think they actually learned yeah. something from each other. Yeah. And for a, for a thing called a year of hell, I was expecting a lot more of the characters learning stuff about each other. Even if, they, even if it gets reset and they don't remember it, someone should yeah. be having a conversation <laughs> with somebody. Well, the the thing I thought was really funny was when the doctor was being shitty to everybody. <clears throat> and then Chakotay's like, you're being shitty to everybody. And he's like, I'm sorry. Last week, when we had to shut that thing down, I watched two crew members die because I had to shut the door on them. And Chakotay's like, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well. Hell, hell of a thing. Like, it, like it, didn't, it didn't really amount to anything it doesn't you know? land the way that it should yeah. yeah yeah like it's all good stuff like all the stuff they're doing this is yes. really good stuff yeah i like the watching just, the doctor watch those people and then he's like i have to shut yeah. the door now yeah, yeah 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 but it's just it's just missing a, a few little nips and tucks to really make the the thing sing better 
Did uh, which part did you like better? Um, I actually think I like the second part better. Oh wow! Okay, yeah, we strong, yeah. strong disagree, but go. Yeah, why why did you like the second part better? I think because there was more Kurtwood Smith, and the, you, you kind of yeah. got into his headspace a bit more, and and he was, um, <clears throat> like I. I I think it's a tough. It's tough because I didn't love the Voyager stuff in the second half, mm-hmm. but I I really liked the stuff that they were doing with him. I thought it, whether or not it was underwritten, <clears throat> I thought it was very effective because of him. Um, yeah. Except, except, and I've been ringing this bell for nine years now. Mm-hmm. This is why at the end, Janeway, the, her whole fleet's flying in, Janeway. This is why you don't fly the ship right so close to together. <laughs> because when one, one of them gets hit, and he goes, and smashes into yours. You're in space. It's infinite. I know. Why are you 25 feet away from each other? This was an egregious example. That ship had no business being so close to no. Voyager that one torpedo would just like knock it into Voyager. Unless, I mean, unless it was supposed to be the thing where they were, they were no, because I thought the, I, the one thing, caveat or the one reason i was gonna give it a pass was because i thought maybe it was so they could be inside the the temporal shield or something oh no but those other two went flying over away from it so they they didn't care yeah yeah. also don't fly the ships so close together guys it's terrible terrible armada from janeway where if i was those aliens they got blasted into nothing i'd be pretty pissed about the the way the things have turned out here (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> where Jane Wayne Voyager just hangs back and those two ships uh, go in for the attack and then I want to know shock troops out of there. I want to see how she made the appeal to them. Yeah, yeah. Because she once she gets set on fire, she doesn't change her clothes for the rest of the, the thing, and she looks insane. And well, she's like, "I need you. I need your ships to help." Well, it's trust a little... me. There's someone who has a temporal weapon who's wiping <laughs> people off the out of existence. But they. they uh... That's kind of a, this is a very minor, just like plot detail thing. But like, if the crew of this ship has been doing this for hundreds of years, everyone in that area must know. Well, technically, they wouldn't know anything because every time they use it, it, it reset, just wipes resets everybody it. off the, yeah. Well, so I guess that that means that there's like the the instability in that region of space is fairly remarkable, I guess. It would have to be like, how, how I guess you'd have to wonder how far the butterfly goes like right does the impact spread anywhere when did the real timeline stop the um as he explains to chakotay when chakotay tries to remove that meteor from existence yes it's terrible that butterfly effect is quite large yeah so i don't i mean the implication there is that they their um calculations are a lot more refined Mm-hmm. And so they have a better handle on that, but even it does—it doesn't seem like they have that much better handle on it. But yeah, I would—I would argue annihilating an entire spacefaring culture probably has a bigger impact than the comet that seeded things. Yeah. Maybe I don't well, know. It's one of those things. It's such a strange conceit to begin with, right? Because yeah, the every time they do one of these things, the guys like we've calculated that by wiping this these people out of existence. There'll be a fifty-two. We'll be we'll be back to fifty-two percent of the timeline the ori- we the want. The original, yeah. And I don't understand how, if every change you're making is is removing something, removing something, yeah. How you could ever possibly 
maintain get back to a hundred percent. Yeah. If yeah. all you're doing is removing things from existence. Yeah. Because like he explains, he used it the first time, which removed these people, which caused a virus, which killed everybody. And so right there, it's disproving your, your hypothesis. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> yeah the other, a, um, it's a weird weapon. the other, the other time travel thing that I wanted to, to ask about because it, uh, it seemed wrong was when um, they're doing the the thing about the trivia and uh, Torres doesn't know the name of the, the ship. Uh, is, is that from Cochran's ship? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. And then Seven knows it. And she says, the Borg were there for those events. Don't worry about it. It's a long story. Yeah. Uh that's not technically true, right? Because by the laws of time travel, the Borg who went back in time were destroyed, including the queen. And so the Borg should have no record of that. Uh, the enterprise right? Borg, but that's after that. So no, in, in the context of Voyager, it doesn't make any sense, right? Cause they're assuming that there are no survivors from that situation. Correct. Right. So the Borg shouldn't know about it. Yeah. Yeah. So that was my first instance that this time travel stuff was not going to make any sense. This is nonsense. I wonder if Enterprise retroactively fixes that. Because the Borg and did the Borg and Enterprise get destroyed? But they send a message. You'd have to make some real jumps of logic of saying that they sent a message that said we survived. I guess you could assume that. And then the Borg yeah. would know. But whatever. Um, Unless you want to say that the part of the ripple effect is now that for whatever reason, because they wiped that one species off the earth, that the Borg... No, because that wouldn't make any sense. Because if the Borg were there and they won, then Starfleet wouldn't exist. Wouldn't exist, yeah. 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 Who knows? Well, I'm a little uh, I'm a little annoyed. I don't think I've done a great job of explaining why I'm sort of <laughs> lukewarm on this episode. I I liked it as I was watching it. I think it's a... Um, To me, it's it's just it's it's not much different from a lot of other Voyager in that I just don't I don't walk away from this feeling affected in a way that I would say like the great Star Trek episodes do. Like a lot of the yeah. great ones, you walk away and you go like, "Wow, that was really." It's a hell of an adventure, those guys. Went yeah. or, or it's like you, you feel bad for a character or there's like a little bit of like sorrow in the story or it's like what could have been or you, you think about it a little bit. This, I don't, I don't think I'm going to have a memory of this, really. Like sure. there's no emotional memory to anything that happens in this episode. And I feel that um, it's something that they seem to be wanting to do because I feel very similar to the Scorpion two-parter. Right, like mm-hmm. that was a lot of bombast, but I, I don't, I don't really have an emotional memory of anything that happened in that episode. You know, like I don't, I remember the Borg ships flying by Voyager to go attack the species eight four seven two ship, and that's like yeah. the visual thing. But I mean, unless you think that the Anorak story is the thing, like, did you connect with the Anorak story enough to think that he's like it's a you know, kind of like an all-time episode maker from that, and I just don't like it enough. I think it's definitely on the better side of Voyager. You know, I, I don't know if it would, if I would say it's an all-timer in all of Star Trek. 
I think he's a great I, villain. I think he's a. Yeah. I think he would go on a not a Mount Rushmore, but he goes on the. If you're writing some little blog post about like the great villains of Star Trek, I think Anorax is one of them. I I I think so too because I think he is. He's. Uh, Star Trek is at, at this point in time <clears throat> does go to the action well, and everyone's they always just keep trying to recreate. Uh, Khan or the Klingons or or the Borg. Which always ends up being bang bang shoot 'em ups <clears throat> and looking people looking for revenge and shit. Yeah. And Anorax is just such a subdued performance and he's not a bad guy. You know, like in the obviously he is in the, the largest sense, but but he's not like someone who's looking for to take over the galaxy or something. Like he's he's not the the changelings and he's not the Jem Hadar and he's not the Klingons. He's doing something for a very personal reason, but he's doing it. F- he's 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 the first like scientist villain that we've seen in a long time. Yeah. I feel like a lot of the villains on this show have ended up being uh, army guys or warriors. Yeah, warriors. And so to see someone like him who is doing what he's doing based on numbers, basically uh, driven by uh, a personal broken thing inside him is is pretty novel for this show yeah but i agree i agree with you that i think it doesn't it doesn't land the way that it should overall the whole the whole two-parter and i think a big part of it is the fact that they reset everything because you know what makes yesterday's enterprise really impactful is that guinan witnesses the remembers everything right yeah like someone comes back having been changed or affected by the events of the episode. An episode like this would be a perfect example, should be a perfect example of um, like what they, what they would do on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Check that off your bingo card, everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where the big like high concept episodes would tend to include um, big story and or character stuff for the show that that sticks right mm-hmm. so for instance the 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 buffy up ep- the musical episode of buffy the vampire slayer <clears throat> isn't just a musical for musical sake and then everything goes back to normal and they're like huh that was weird it's the episode where all of buffy's friends find out that when they brought her back to life they ripped her out of heaven which is why she's now depressed right you know it's like it's yeah. a big moment that gets tucked into these high concept shows and if you had this two-parter where at the end of it, things get reset, but everybody remembers what happened. You could use that as an excuse to really push some characters forward. Like if Bolana gets killed and Paris then has this breakdown where he almost, you know, blah, 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 you know, when when everything gets reset, he now has a different understanding of what that relationship is. Yeah. The same yeah. with the doctor, the same with Chakotay. You know, they everybody changes a bit and remembers that. And then that informs their character moving on. That is, that would have been great. Like, I think that would be the thing that would really kick this up into the, into the high end for me. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't remember what the, was it called before and after? The, the episode where Kess originally describes this concept that this is going to happen, like this right, bad stuff yeah. is coming. I feel like that did a better job of having a character live with the situation that they went through. Yes, and it's like I would this, agree. this kind of like agree. fear of that. 
Also, bizarre that no one recognizes the Krenum at this and goes, isn't this the guys that Cass was talking about? And well, isn't this the start? The start? I, I, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like we never see them in that episode. Who knows if Kess even knows who they are? Like, I think uh, it's, right, yeah, Kess sees them, right? It's the Kess's fantasy world. She sees the Krenum in, in her thing, yeah, but she obviously She does see them? Yeah, they see a ship. They get attacked by oh, a ship. Oh, they do? Okay. Yeah. Is it the same ship? I don't remember. Probably not. I would assume not. Yeah, whatever. Doesn't matter. But she described it, but apparently no one one listened to it. Um, Unfortunately, she exploded and is no longer on the show. (laughs) Yeah, I I thought that that episode, I would agree with you. Like I, because I think that something, something like um, DS9's Visitor episode, there's not even a strong like textual textual idea that Cisco remembers except at the very end of it when he gets out of his situation and he and he stops the thing that was going to cause him to die in the first place or phase out of existence and he he's, he lands on the floor holding uh Jake and he looks at him and it's just enough to know that like Cisco remembers everything that happened in the visitor like he he yeah. went through that experience and it like opened uh doors for him and here, I will say that this is harder to do. It's harder to have these changes sit and, and last with you. I guess my my argument would be if you must use the reset button, you have to hit this stuff hard during the sequences that are about to get reset. Like you have to, the characters have to have a lot of conversations and like open up with each other about things yeah. and like make realizations that when it gets reset, you kind of understand this alternate timeline that they failed to live through and that like th- this is a possibility it just didn't happen and i th- and i th- just think it makes it for more engaging drama to have that stuff in the episode you know? yeah like imagine imagine if the story of uh paris and chicote on that ship ends with them getting into a fight and one of them stabbing the other one yeah, you know yeah. over over whether or not they should stop this thing from happening and then things get reset and they're like uh so anyway <laughs> not gonna turn my back on you tom yeah like they things should get reset and then instead of everybody being like smiling about their new whatever it should be everybody just sitting there like <laughs> like with this blank terror expression on their face yeah and just yeah. like looking at each other and going like i i don't think Maybe we should all just go to bed. <laughs> Let's all have Neelix's ration soup and call it a day. All right, we'll go to patron thoughts then, unless you have anything else specifically you want to say about this. But we've been talking for a while. Thanks, everybody, for supporting us and listening to the show. You can support the show at patreon.com slash the Penske file. We can leave thoughts on upcoming episodes and we read them on the podcast. My so uh, My favorite line from the episode, the first episode, was when they first bring up time travel and Janeway says, I've made it my goal in life to avoid time travel. Yeah. Yeah. So that had to have been a joke made on purpose. Getting pretty, getting pretty meta. She's gone through her own time travel stuff at this point. Multiple times. Yeah. 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 So this is Kyle Barrett with year of hell. All right. Give me one second here. Uh, year of hell. Thank God seven is here to teach the crew about a brand new technology. Never before used for navigation maps. Mm hmm. This is the classic episode. The detailed and everyone map. points to <laughs> very detailed. Very detailed. 
This is the classic episode. Uh, the blue, of course, is land. Uh, this is the classic episode everyone points to and says, look at what this show could have been. It's true that the escalated drama is engaging, but because it only lasts two episodes and everything is reset at the end, I never get the sense this is actually happening to the characters we know. And rather, this is just a cool alt-reality story not worth getting invested in akin to Enterprise's Mirror Universe episodes and nothing more. If you want this story... If you, if you want the story actually committed to, then watch Battlestar Galactica. Kurtwood Smith is wonderful, one of Voyager's best guest stars, and just imagine getting trapped in a turbo lift with Harry Kim. Hell indeed. Four out of five. <clears throat> also, you're yep. telling me that Bolana Torres knows classic MGM musical, I but know, she doesn't know the name of Zephyrm Cochran's ship? <laughs> I don't believe that for a second. <laughs> their trivia, whatever that movie was, I don't remember. Their trivia was. was a little absurd, I would agree. Tax Bear says, Year of Hell, it's a bit cheap, but declaring that your ship simply exists outside the realms that you are affecting is a neat way to get around various time paradoxes. The Year of Hell probably should have been an entire season, and one that Janeway could have avoided by simply turning back when they were still at the border of Krenum space. That said, the conversations between the Krenum captain and his number one, as well as other characters, are pretty good Star Trek stuff. Incel Who Needs His Pants On says, Year of Hell, I've fallen asleep to these two episodes more times than any other. That doesn't mean it's bad. It means I keep putting them back on again. It's a lot like watching the aquatic Zindi. Four out of five. <laughs> this is Artorius with Year of Hell. <coughs> Excuse me, and I'll send it to you while I die coughing. Year of Hell. The ship is badly damaged. The doctor has to deal with balancing dehumanization with the needs of the many. Seven of Nine learns to be more assertive as an individual while forming a bond with Tuvok, who has to deal with blindness. The crew went through, sorry, the crew went through a harrowing time together, bonding over the experience, and we even saw an amazing portrayal of time viewing and alteration. Yet it was all meaningless. If only the producers had the balls to keep the experience instead of washing it all down the toilet. This is why I hate time travel as concept used in such a fashion. It's a lazy way for writers to have ideas but then dismiss them without consequence. This whole two-parter was meaningless in the grand scheme of things and would have been better to never have existed in history with such an ending. Three erased possibilities out of five. Jeez, tell us what you really think. Uh, Yarpy says, Year of Hell, the best two episodes of Voyager, but I wish they could stretch it for at least four to five episodes. Not hit all the hit, not hit the almighty reset button in the end. Kurtwood Smith is great as always, and the regulars get to stretch their wings more than usual. Five, Kurtwood Smith steals all the scenes out of five. That Bob, guy really doesn't get a lot enough credit for being as good an actor as he is. Yeah, he's good. Yeah, he's got, I, he's got a lot of range. He does. I, I think there's the, um, it's it's neat to see very clear examples of great actors being paired with not great actors to see like what the difference is in how yeah. great acting is done. I think he's it's a good example. Uh, it's called the Katie Holmes in Batman Begins effect. <laughs> anytime, when you watch that movie, anytime that she shares a scene with Christian Bale, it's like two completely different movies. I think Kurtwood and his um, number one are a good example in this one. Um Great actors just, it sounds kind of obvious, but like great actors don't just say the line, you know, it's right. like mm -hmm. there's a, there's a sense that like when they say it, they're like, what does this mean? 
and how would my character say this? Yeah. And I think that they're a good example because I think that his number one actor is not a bad Star Trek actor, but there's never any uh, nuance to his line reading. You're never, you're never like, oh, this guy's like really considering something. He says what he's thinking and he just moves on to the next thing. Uh, the NRX character has a lot of um, consideration behind what he says. And I think it, it fits so well. I can't remember if I mentioned this on the Virtuosity podcast, but I, I had recently seen The Equalizer 3, the Denzel Washington movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, the script for that movie is trash. Like the dialogue in that movie is awful. And it's got tons of, you know, cliche stuff in it. Sorry, which but movie? But I realized which Equalizer movie? 3. Oh, Equalizer 3. Okay. And, uh, but I realized I was watching it going like, man, Denzel is like really putting his back into this terrible dialogue. Mm-hmm. Like there, there's, there was one that stood out to me where uh, the, the, he's got some guy tied to a, a stake about to like light him on fire or some shit. <laughs> and the guy's like, no, no, it's not this. You're going to kill me. And then the line Denzel says is uh, death comes for all of us, which is a really cliche action movie line. Yeah. But the way that he says it, it's like you're watching him consider what those words mean. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know, man, I, I hope he enjoys doing these movies because he's, he has given these things a lot more than they deserve. It elevates it. Yeah. It's not a long list of great guest appearances in Star Trek either. I don't think like great, really like really standout performances. I, yeah. I would say Anorax is would one. You s- Harris Yulin in Duet is one. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, who's a great TNG guest appearance? Jellico. Ronnie yeah, Cox. that's a good one. Yeah, Jellico is a great guest actor. I was going to say, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I feel like. Um, the stories end up being more memorable than a lot of the guest stars. And so you'll get a guest star who's like a, a decent to above average actor, but the story ends up being the thing that gets elevated. You know what I mean? It is the elevating factor. Sure. So you, you do get these episodes like this one or, or uh, Harris Eulin or Ronnie Cox, where it is the, the great performance of the actor, but there, a lot of the other ones tend to be like, you know... <clears throat> Christopher McDonald, yeah, memorable guest star, but that's not what people remember about sure. yesterday's yeah. Enterprise, you know? R- r- yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would agree with that. It is a short list. It's, I mean, obviously, the, the great episodes of Star Trek are kind of rare too, but it, it's a sh- short list. Uh, Bob Kester says, "Year of Hell." Are, did I have something I wanted to say? What was the comment you just read? Uh, no, maybe not. Bob J. Kester says, I remain astounded that they went to the trouble of setting up the Krenum in before and after and now start them all over again, a la TNG pretending the Borg hadn't been set up in the neutral zone. Did they have trouble motivating the ship there when the Kess had warned them away? How about they deliberately avoid Krenum space and then there's an incursion and pop, now they're inside Krenum space. Fixed it for you. Three cool moments despite compound plot amnesia out of five. That is weird. I don't remember them specifically calling them out by name in the uh, before and after, but the cr- the Krenum, yeah. yeah, yeah. If that's yeah, what they, they do, do, that's strange that they just completely forgot about it. Yeah, uh, weird time travel thing in an otherwise great scene. <laughs> this is an episode. Uh, the The scene where Anorex is having dinner with Chakotay in Paris, 
He's like, Tom, you're gluttonously eating the last deviled egg that ever came from Shahandra too. Um, why does their food still exist if they've been erased? Uh, well, I mean, if it's been on that ship, it shouldn't matter. So he goes down and he picks up a tray of, I guess, knishes and maybe then they, comes back and maybe they just have shoot. a good cookbook. I don't know. Because <laughs> he treats them as if they were the original thing. He, he's not right, replicating yeah. this. He's like, this is the original yeah. food. Speaking of replicating, I am a hundred percent on Janeway's side. When it comes to that pocket watch, when yep. when Chakotay gives her that pocket watch and she's like, recycle this, we need the energy. And he's like, well, you know, I just, I made it for your birthday. When he says, I replicated this weeks ago, it's like, dude, that means you can do it again after we get out of this situation. Just, just, just wait for the reset. I thought it was poor timing to be giving her the watch. And the, the Chakotay thing is like this, this like, like, you know, he's like internet. He's like a beta male. Story. Like he, it always seems like Chakotay is trying to get in her pants, but it has like no game at all about it. He's yeah. like, I made, I made you a watch. Would you like to have my watch? It's a, it's a continuing storyline that I don't really understand what they're, what they're doing with it. Justice for Toon Shoe. I'll send this one to you, Shoe. Justice for Toon Shoe with a year of hell. In my humble opinion, this is the most overrated episode of Trek, maybe second only to In the Pale Moonlight. It's personally a big head-scratcher that this one is almost always ranked near the top of lists for Voyager's all-time best. I get that Voyager admittedly has some real stinkers in the early going, but that doesn't make this one a classic. I fell asleep multiple times trying to watch both parts, and the only thing I can recall was Kurtwood Smith being a big bad. Two alien invaders out of five. Changeling says, Year of Hell, bitches leave. Looking at this episode in isolation, it was great. Everyone is on their A-game, and Kurtwood Smith proves to be one of my favorite character actors, and I would preferred him as a season-long villain who was, uh, than, whoever was, uh, than whoever the Kazon guy was. The reset button at the end kind of sours it a little bit for me. It is okay that everyone's physical injuries are erased, but the memories too deflates, too deflates the drama of this two-parter. Five dumbasses or double dumbasses if you're Kirk out of five. Matt Russ says, You're of hell one of the best of Voyager, if not of Trek, with time travel shenanigans that are fun, like watching how the weakling Krenum become one of the super deluxe versions was cool. The Krenum cast warned of seemed to be forgotten. Watching the ship fall apart should have been uh, throughout the series from day one. Again, Chicote quickly turns again Chicote quickly compromises his morals. At the end, does the reset of everything actually mean that they're going to do this all over again in a big loop? Or is it implied that Anorax is getting some wifely love and doesn't follow on with his time travel device? The time's up line, perfect. Five stray pieces of hair out of five. I will say the thing that doesn't really track, well, I guess it depends on how you want to look at it. If you look at that final scene as him choosing to go hang out with his wife means he's going to completely abandon everything he's doing then it's fine but he says that they've been doing this for hundreds of years yeah so like voyager getting back to normal and him hanging out with his wife are not occurring at the same time you know oh you're right so, it's like he, he is he further back in the timeline or is there some sort of uh discrepancy here because it you mean when voyager gets out there they've already been doing this since the start of voyager's voyage the ship is yeah because he mentions that they've been using this weapon trying to fix the timeline for hundreds of years so 
I guess I assume that when he goes to hang out with his wife, he just abandons all of his research he was doing. <laughs> it's a, the thing about the hundreds of years is um, it ties into the mutiny problem. Um, I just feel that the crew should yeah. have a better mutiny argument against him. Be like, Kurtwood, mm-hmm. Anorax, this is not working. Like, this is clearly not working. And I kind of want to go home to see my family who was not on the colony that you destroyed with that virus i don't know but you don't get any sense of that unless it's a it might be like a more of a groundhog day hundreds of years thing since they, since they exist outside of space time like well like they you think they don't sense the time the time is passing yeah, yeah. like like they have experienced a hundred years worth of existence yeah but the actual outside universe is has not i don't know who cares yeah. doesn't matter yeah. They they don't say that the entire Krenum race is no, because they're out there in the the warships. So they can't like isn't the solution to keep the crew going that they have wiped out their species outside of the their ship was in the time thing, so they weren't affected, but they wiped out their race to this point, you know? Probably, yeah. And yeah, they're trying that, to get them back. Help. That would that would give them more <clears throat> motivation, I think, if they were all yeah. Uh, this is Royo. But then at that point, Voyager runs into the problem of they can't be attacked. You know, they need like the Krenum to be attacking them the whole time. So they have right. to exist outside of that. Right. This is Royo with the Year of Hell. The closest you will get to a Voyager movie borrowing Jules Verne's 20,000 Leagues Under the Seas and Greek tragedies to create an epic. I hear all the time. Everyone wanted this stretched out to an entire season, but I remember the Zindi arc and didn't even have and it didn't even have enough material for half a season. It got stretched out into oblivion with filler and stupid crap like Carpenter Street. And that oh, speaking of which, today as we're recording mm-hmm. this, John Carpenter's birthday. Oh, there you go. And that Cowboy Planet, it completely killed the pacing and tone of that arc. People constantly harp on Janeway for sailing into Krenum space, despite being warned not to. But unique to this story. The time incursions appear to be unable to move objects, so it appears Voyager would be inevitably trapped in Krenum space if the borders shifted after a temporal incursion. Okay, I guess that explains my question. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> what I think helps make this two-parter a Voyager u- uh, unique classic is that the stakes are both high and low at the same time. The survival of the galaxy or the fate of the Federation isn't at stake due to Voyager being just one ship and how big the Krenum Empire is immaterial to us. So it lets the characters take center stage in this drama. Mm. If people ask what makes a Voyager episode stand out against the rest of the franchise, point them here, five out of five. Point X to G says, Year of Hell, this is a really fun look at when things could have been like for Voyager, both the series and the ship. Seeing the ship become slowly more and more damaged over the story is a really great visual. Of course, as soon as you realize that there are time shenanigans afoot, you know that the whole story is headed to a reset button. But I still love seeing the crew push to extremes that they never go to otherwise. Darren Hatch says, despite its timeless reputation, there are a few nagging flaws with this one. The ending is too convenient. Chakotay's characterization is weak. It's not especially profound, and it's a frustrating microcosm of everything the series could have been. That said, none of that detracts from an otherwise stellar episode of not just Voyager, but Star Trek. There's a lot to like here, but in my book, it's Kate Mulgrew's Captain Janeway that brings it all together. This is the episode that made me fall in love with her, both as a performer and a character, and it's her finest hour on the show. Easily the strongest episode of the series so far and one of the all-time franchise greats. Five elixirs of endurance out of five. 
Uh, I'll read. That's this another one. scene, right? <clears throat> You've got that scene where everybody's around the table drinking, you know, shit juice. Yeah, yeah. Like there should be what they should have done. They should have had two of those scenes. One of them where everybody's there, and then another one later on in the year of hell where there's like four people missing or something. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like to really show what has happened. Yeah, you could always you could keep returning to that sequence of them eating yeah. together, and it's just yeah, getting exactly. worse and worse. Yeah. JC Superstar says, "Year of Hell." What everyone else said. Also, I do wonder by what process Red Foreman determines which civilizations must be destroyed to restore his timeline. What science can compute this? What intriguing allusions too to two thousand leagues under twenty thousand leagues under the sea? Shout out to Royo and Moby Dick. All good artists steal, and then they make what they steal original. The scene with Tuvok and Janeway is very strong and effective with Spock of manually grazed Jim's shoulder and a spontaneous expression of deep affection. Maybe, but he wasn't half human. How the balls did Janeway get allies? Who are they? What a real joy. Five out of five. You're certainly meeting new allies is something you would uh, have an episode focused on in the, if you stretched out the, the story. Uh, Let me see here. 15... I'll do this one. You can do the last one. Grappler John Zorn says, Year of Hell, no comments, only questions. Is this episode actually good, or is it just the closest we're going to get to the series' original premise? Is this good science fiction, or is it good Star Trek? Is it both or neither? What does it say about a show when one of its best episodes is the show's antithesis? Only questions. And then here's your last one. This is from... Hat. I've agreed with a few of the patrons here. Um, sometimes I don't agree with the patrons quite a bit, but I, th- I think my my overall score might change from some of the patrons, but I think everyone's kind of on the same page with the problems of it, at least of, mm-hmm. that I share with them anyway. Year of Hell. It takes far too long for Chakotay to get on board with Tom to confront the genocidal Anorax. Also, wouldn't enemy ships that shoot temporal missiles also have temporal shielding that would protect them from Anorax's weapons? Further, did Tuvok really take a nuclear warhead explosion to the face and live? Perhaps a rewrite of the script and also a part three that allowed us to see Janeway making alliances with aliens, possibly working out a solution that didn't require a reset switch, could elevate this higher. Due to the clear increase in budget, as well as excellent performances from the cast, this episode has a very premium feel to it that I think inflates fan ratings of the episode higher than it deserves. Four out of five for first watch, three out of five upon rewatch. Yeah, I I think the Janeway going to recruit other aliens, like, I don't really give a shit about that. Like, I don't know. If you extended this out, yeah, that would probably be an episode, but I'm not dying to see that episode, you know? Well, I mean, what's so curious about it is what did those aliens bring to this at right. all? They didn't. Right. They didn't do anything. Right. They got shot with the gun and disappeared, and that was like you don't. Yeah. You don't even need them in this. So they just they they needed them for the the episode. See, okay, here's an, an interesting example of of what the issue is. Right. They need them there. A to make Voyager look formidable yep. against the ship, but also to have. Uh, cannon fodder for the fight, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, if you got everybody on the ship, you start killing, met, killing off crew members. That that does enough. the same thing, you yeah. know. You don't need a bunch of random faceless ships to blow up when you've got Harry Kim to blow up. <laughs> Speaking of faceless ships, ships. Thanks, patrons, for leaving your thoughts about Year of Hell Part One and. 
two. Oh, you know what they should? Oh man, they should the one of the other blasts of the the temporal th- gun mm-hmm. should have caused uh, seven to turn back into a Borg, and then they all had to kill her. <laughs> or like she goes on a rampage and just starts tearing people up. She should just yeah. She turns into like a uh, an iPod or something like that. It's just a primitive <laughs> form of technology. The um, minor minor little uh, thing that kind of irritated me every time it happened. Uh, Anorax never pushes back on everyone calling his ship a weapon ship, which felt w- weird. I guess I I thought he yeah I know what you he mean. seems like yeah. the kind of character who would go this ship is not a weapon. This ship is exactly like, yeah you know yeah. Because he's a, he's a scientist. Yeah. It's a high science. It's working with mercury. It's an art form. He's an artist. He's a, a scientist who made an enormous gun that will kill you all. Thanks, patrons. I think the patrons give us an average of a four, I'm going to say. A couple threes mixed in there. I think one, two, but then a lot of fives and fours. So we'll go with a four for the patrons. Glander scale of one to five, what are you going to give Year of Hell? I'm going to give it a four. I think it's... I think it's uh, one of the better ones we've seen, especially, well, actually, this season's been decent so far. But, yeah, it's been uh, a decent season. I, I do think it is a step up um, in a lot of areas, but I do think there's a lot hindering it from really getting into the all-timer club. I'm going to give it a very weak four. Um, it is okay. It, it, it is watchable. Um I take hats, Garoppolo, John Zorn, and someone else who gave it a five might be Jaron Hatch. I I, I give I, I agree with all of their criticisms of it. I think it actually knocks it down a little bit for me too. Um, to Garoppolo's question, I'm actually like I I I do sort of wonder whether or not I'm like is this. Good or is this just like is this a very watchable episode or is this good? You know, I think yeah. there's a difference between them. I find this episode very watchable. I'm less convinced it's a, a. I'm not convinced it's a great episode, but I'm also not convinced it's a particularly good episode. But it's super watchable and it has kind of a like um, energy that carries you through. And I think yeah. sometimes that's enough. But to get on my all timer list, it's usually episodes that have a little bit more going on in them than that. But it's a terrific Anorex performance from Kurtwood Smith. The concept is fun. I like yeah. the idea of what this is. And um, it was a watchable episode. I'll give it a I'll give it a four. It's a very weak four. Yeah, I think it's I think it's more than the sum of its parts, ultimately. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Where, you know, it's it's being held together and, and elevated um by different elements that, you know, it, it's not not totally across the board. Yeah. You liked it better than the Scorpion two-parter? I think I liked it better than Scorpion. Yeah, I think so. I think I did. That's it. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the show. That's Year of Hell. We're going to be back with the very next episode, which is something I'm going to scroll up to. Random thoughts. So, appropriate. Apropos. Clay, do you have anything you want to say before we get out of here? Uh, Check out Rotten Horror Picture Show. We are doing Halloween on Patreon this year, the entire Halloween series. Well, 12 of the 13, except for Halloween 2018, which we did on our normal feed show a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> yeah, that's going to be interesting. H2O. When did H2O come out? What, what H2O was, was 98. That was the 20th anniversary. It's going to be oh, interesting. That, that makes sense. 
Because yeah, uh, yeah cause otherwise the title makes zero <laughs> no, sense. Does, makes no sense. Because <clears throat> that was the seventh movie, okay. and it has nothing to do with water. Okay. So H two O is a just a, odd just title. A, <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting into that um, series because as we we just we've recorded the first one, which uh, should probably be out by the time this comes out, and. Uh, the thing that makes it unique among the slasher series of the 80s is that, well, A, it made it past the 80s, and uh, it has the biggest gap between movies, whereas oh. Friday the 13th, they did eight of them in nine years, I think. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, they did pretty much like one a year for yep. like eight or eight years or so. Halloween took a lot of time off. So there was like three years between the first two and then they did a couple in a row and then they took a, a few years off and then did a couple in a row. And then, so it's, it's, it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting series. There's a little bit more time to change in between its iterations, I guess. Than to, I would ones. argue too much time to think. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. Because, uh, I think they, I think this series has a tendency to over, overthink itself because the first <laughs> one was so good. <laughs> You can check that out. And I think me and you covered the original on Patreon way back when. So you Years can check ago, that yeah. one out too. Yeah. As a, uh, as see, a teaser. see if my uh, opinions have changed. Yeah, see, well, you can see behind the curtains about how podcasts are just stream of consciousness talking. You don't actually have real thoughts about anything. No. I guess. <laughs> I'd be interested to hear what we were talking about back then because it must have been six or six, seven years ago, probably. Probably, yeah. That's it. Thanks, everybody, for supporting the show. Patreon.com slash Lipensky file. A whole bunch of stuff. We covered the police, ranked all their albums. That's up there. That got good feedback, so that was nice. nice. So thanks, everybody, who listened to that. Do you know what you're going to do for the next one of that? I'm still thinking. I think I have to come up. I'm, I think I'm going to put a decade poll to narrow it down to a decade, and then I'll oh, see sure. if I want to do another poll or just pick something from that. Sure. So. Thanks, everybody. So check out the poll. It'll be before the end of the month, so I know what I'm doing next month. Uh, that'll be on Patreon. That's it. We're done. Year of Hell over and done with. Random Thoughts is next week. See ya.